0: Bada bing, bada bam. Welcome to this week's Baking a Mystery, Baking a Murder. And I just have a question. Do you believe in hypnotherapy? Do you believe in hypnosis? Yes. You do? Like, in what sense? Do you actually believe in the stage people who go up on stage and they're like, bark like a dog? Now, take out your wee wee and start yanking it in front of everyone. And then they're like, no. Do you believe in that type of hypnosis or are you talking clinical sense hypnosis?
1: I believe it. I think I think it's true.
0: Really? Yeah. Fascinating. Okay, so maybe you don't, maybe you don't. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But this movie that I'm talking about today is fascinating. I'm also going to be baking a tres leches biscoff cake. Do I think that this is going to offend every single person who eats... The authentic Tres Leches cake, yes I do. I apologize in advance. I saw this recipe online and it looked delicious and I had some Biscoff laying around, so that's what we're making, okay? We're talking about The Great Hypnotist today. This is a movie that I found so utterly fascinating. I mean, it just, it shows the life of a psychiatrist who focuses on general hypnotherapy to cure his patients of anxiety disorders, depression, PTSD, trauma, like all of that and beyond. I am a huge believer in clinical hypnotherapy, so I feel like a... Uh,
1: so you do believe in it?
0: In the clinical sense. I don't think that um, hypnotherapy can make me do something that I didn't already want to do. But Mm -hmm. I do believe that it's, I mean, it's valid. Like the work of suggestions and being relaxed enough to be open to suggestions. I think that's true. But I don't necessarily believe in it in the sense of, you know, when they use hypnotherapy as like crime witnesses. I'm like, I don't know about that one. Mm -hmm. I don't know about that one. Listen, if I was innocent and you told me some beats got hypnotherapy and they said I was the killer. I'd say, "Mm, -mm, you're going back under. Go back under hypnotherapy because you are missing. That was a really passionate explanation. I'm just adding in the water and the oil and the eggs and all of that into my little cake mix. This is vanilla cake mix. I'm not making my own cake. There's a bunch of mother loads of plot twists in this one, so just just hold on to your tits. Let's get started with this whole thing. There is a woman named Sherry, and you know what? Sherry's a good mom. I mean, that's all I can really say about her. She takes her four-year-old with her everywhere she goes. I mean, they're attached at the hip, essentially. Sometimes she takes her four-year-old kid to places she really shouldn't be taking her four-year-old kid. Like to the dark, lonesome places at night. And on one of those very occasions, she ends up alone with her child in this abandoned asylum. I don't even know where you find those. Are those not in the middle of nowhere?
1: She takes a four-year-old kid to an abandoned mental asylum.
0: Yeah, precisely
1: okay like a horror halloween type of thing
0: no but it's like um it's not plugged in oh my gosh thank Uh, you
1: low speed for 30 seconds just kind of mix them up you know until moistened
0: moistened it's moistened
1: is it moistened oh yeah and then beat at medium speed for two minutes getting
0: mixed? Yes, yes, yes. Sherry finds herself and her four-year-old little daughter in an abandoned mental asylum, which I would argue is one of the top 10 worst places to find yourself with a child, let alone just by yourself. Probably top 10. And to top things off, to make matters worse, she ends up being chased by an insane woman. Now, would I say that she's clinically insane? I don't know, because I'm not an armchair diagnosis. But I will say, that she's creepy. Like, I would definitely cry if she was anywhere near my vicinity. And I'll tell you why. Sherry and her kid run into this asylum. They lock all the doors. They're blocking her from entering. And this woman in this nice little dress, she's wearing her cute little heels, high heels, click clacking away, go from door to door of this asylum trying to break in. It's one of those scenes where she's not even chasing the two. Like, she's not chasing Cherry and her kid. Sherry and her kid. She's just calmly following them. That's got to be creepier, no? Like, that's worse than just a full-on night chase. So as she's getting chased, Sherry's freaking out. She's got this, you know, the, the woman has this sleek black hair that's way too neat, way too calm. She finally busts through one of those windows, and it seems like she knows the place well. Like, she's been here before. The creepy woman makes it inside. Sherry grabs her little daughter, because she's a good mom, and she has no choice but to run down the long, dark, creepy hallway of the abandoned building. And the woman is just tick, tick, following her with the click of her heels. So now I'm going in with this Biscoff butter type concoction, which is just Biscoff cream and butter. (laughs) And it's no way gonna be good for your health, but that's okay. Sweets are never good for your health, but they're good for your heart. Not medically speaking. So I'm just going to make little swirls. I've poured the Biscoff butter in there. I think that this is enough. I mean, the the recipe was really freehanding yourself. So I'm going to go stick this in the oven and I'll be right back for 28 minutes. Listen, you don't want to see the cake, but I'm going to show it to you. It's a weird cake. I think I made it wrong.
1: What do you mean? It looks good.
0: This is the cake. (laughs) So I'm supposed to cut the top off. Can I try? Mmm, delicious. Good cake? Mm-hmm. At least tastes good. Tastes very good, very moist. Mm. I'm surprised. You made this? I made this, according to the directions on the box. Mmm. Don't That's mind if I do.
1: My breakfast tomorrow. Look at that. <laughs> breakfast
0: cake for breakfast?
1: Well, you this don't guy eat thinks
0: that anything that resembles a muffin, it could be a cupcake, is breakfast. Okay. Now okay. I'm just gonna poke some holes in here because i got some liquid going in. Now, Sherry and her daughter, they run into whatever room that they can find in this abandoned, insane asylum. Because remember, they're being chased by this creepy woman whose heels are click-clacking down the hallway. So they try door number one. Nothing. Door number two, nothing. Door number three finally opens and they run inside. They don't even check what's inside the room as if whatever's inside there cannot be as terrifying as this woman chasing them down the hallway. So they push open the door, Sherry grabs her little kitten, they close it shut, she's leaning up against it so this lady can't open it. And automatically, as a viewer, you get to see that there is a very shift. A shift in the setting. I mean, even just the lighting. Maybe someone tinkered with the camera settings because the abandoned hallway was dimly lit. It's exactly what you would imagine. The walls are peeling. The floor is grimy. Things are falling apart. But inside, I mean, the door looks freshly painted. Do I just pour this all in here?
1: Uh, Yeah.
0: The door looks freshly painted. It's brightly lit as if it's a sun-drenched room. Is that enough? That seems like a lot. I think think that's good, but it keeps drinking up the milk. It's like a thirsty little plant. It's a thirsty little girl You're nasty. So it's a sun-bathed room and inside is a man sitting at a desk. He looks regal He looks refined. He's wearing a suit. He's wearing these very nice circular glasses He almost looks if I dare say so myself like an intellectual So she's like, uh, hello? What are you doing inside of an abandoned asylum? Can you please help me? This woman is trying to kidnap my daughter. I mean, can you help me? He calmly peers over his glasses. Don't worry, ma'am. You're safe with me. You know, what's interesting is, I just read in the newspaper, in fact, that an old woman and her grandchild were being chased by a violent man. She's like, shh. Lower your voice. She's going to hear us. Yeah, but guess what happened next, ma'am? The security guard saved them from the psychotic man. But here's where it gets interesting. It turned out that the man, the crazy, psychotic man, was the real child's father, and the old woman was the kidnapper. So Sherry's like, what are you saying? Why are you screaming right now? There's a woman on the other side of the door that's trying to kidnap my kid. What are you trying to say? Ma'am, I just want to know, how do you know this girl is your real daughter? What are you talking about? Of course she's my daughter. What is wrong with you? I'm being chased right now. You you don't believe me? Look, she pulls out a wallet and says look, 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 look at this picture. It's the both of us. This is my daughter. Ma'am, please look closely at that. Look at the picture in the wallet. And she looks down and sure enough, it's not her. In fact, the woman is a lot younger than her. Instead, it was the woman chasing her. The one banging on the doors, the heels click clacking in the halls. Ma'am, here, read the newspaper. This one is 20 years old. And now both of you, if you'll follow me. He opens the door, leads her into the hallway where the floors are filled with grime, the walls are peeling, and there's this woman that was chasing them. She's standing there. And she's calmly looking at them. And tells her, look at her. You know who that is. That's you. From 20 years ago. And it's time to let her go. Sherry starts crying. Both Sherry start crying, and the doctor—oh yeah, it's a doctor—tells her, your daughter forgave you a long time ago for this mistake. And in that moment, both the woman chasing her and the young girl, they hold hands and walk away into the creepy hallway, with the lights flickering. I mean, it's supposed to be this freeing moment. Sherry is finally letting go, but the imagery is creepy nonetheless. And suddenly, the man's face appears upside down. Listen to the sound of my voice in one, two, three. And he snaps. (laughs) Sherry wakes up in a modern, sleek therapist's office laying on a chest lounger. And the therapist is in a navy suit, clean cut. He's still got the glasses and that mustache and he hands her some tissues. So Sherry, do you still see your daughter in the room with you? And she looks around and she says, no, I don't. I remember now, she's gone, she's no longer with me, and she's amazed, she's like, How did you do this? Dr. Zan, you've been treating me for six months now. But you know what's weird? I don't recognize you in my dreams. It's so strange. And the therapist stares into the camera, and you think that he's breaking that fourth wall. But instead, the scene in his therapy office zooms out, and he's now on a projector. He says on stage, the part of being a great therapist is letting the patient forget you're a doctor. And Dr. Zan is giving a speech to a group of medical students. Oh, soon to be hypnotist, okay? And he says, it helps with their journey. But the patient that you saw today was a subject taking instructions in a trance. So we're talking about waking hypnosis. It's actually possible right now that you've already entered into a trance, a trance that I've planted in your mind in this very moment. In fact, the moment that you walked into this hall, I've already hypnotized you all. Now, two, three, snap. And he laughs? I'm kidding, I didn't do that, but look at the screen, okay? So the whole room flashes this strange red color, the hue, like the projector is literally just a red block at this point. What do you guys think of this color? People just start shouting out, fire, red flag, flames, blood! Okay, now what about this color? And it's red and yellow, split in half. Everybody's confused, and then someone screams, McDonald's, and everybody giggles. (laughs) But he says, no, 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 don't laugh, he's correct. In fact, we receive a ton of waking suggestions from advertisements. Waking suggestions is the basis of waking hypnosis. In fact, everyone that I studied waking hypnosis with in class, they're all in advertising now. A woman raises her hand in the crowd to ask a question. It's kind of a random question, not gonna lie, but I guess it's to get the plot moving along. And she says, But Dr. Zan, from my experience, hypnotherapy has always been Controversial. The patient isn't necessarily in control, which isn't good. Why don't we just use a more straightforward way of therapy? Dr. Zan ponders for a moment and says, Okay. Well, when you have a problem, who do you talk to? My doctor. (laughs) I talk to my dad. And I talk to my best friend. Well, what if you come home one day and you find your dad and your best friend in bed together? Do you still want to talk to them about it? Exactly. The point is, more than a million people commit suicide every single year. Don't they have parents? Don't they have a friend to talk to? Some don't, but a lot of them do. But they don't want to talk about it. In fact, most patients don't even want to talk about it with us. They're doctors. Some of them, even if they want to talk to us about it, they don't know how. And I'm a psychiatrist. My job is to not talk to the patients. It's to fix the patients. It's to cure them. It's to treat them. I don't care what method we use, as long as it cures them.
1: That's a little bit aggressive. Yeah, it's a little
0: bit aggressive. (laughs) Listen, I don't know if my therapist said that. I might be like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, (laughs) what's happening? (laughs) You're like, I thought you just wanted to listen to me. (laughs) So the girl from the crowd, she's angry, and she's only getting angrier. She stands up and says, well, if I'm going to be hypnotized as your patient, how would I know if you're helping me or harming me? because I'm freaking hypnotized, I wouldn't know. And he looks at her and says, well there's more than 300 of you in here, so you're absolutely safe. And just to joke on her some more he says, wake up, snaps his fingers and walks off the stage <laughs> hey, the dude is aggressive he
1: is, uh,
0: he is um he's definitely not is he not, a professor or he's just doing a lecture because he is one of the leading people leading doctors in hypnosis oh. clinical hypnosis so he's given a speech at a school
1: with, a, with some attitude with yeah. a lot
0: of attitude That's what happens when you're the leading expert, I imagine, you know? So the rest of the audience, they're clapping aggressively. Yeah, they think he's funny. And in the (laughs) back of the room, we see an older woman, maybe 50, 60 years old. She's got this graying hair, and she's dressed in a turtleneck. Everyone is really cleanly dressed in this whole movie. So she follows him out and she says, that was a great speech. But you know, we went to the same college and you had a sharp tongue and a short temper in school. So you're like, oh, are they colleagues? Because they look a lot, like the age difference looks like a lot. How old is he? Maybe like 40s.
1: Oh, so she's a lot older.
0: But they didn't go to the same school. She was his professor. Oh. So he says, Professor Fang, you're not here to yell at me, are you? (laughs) Because that's what you're doing. (laughs) No, of course not. Um, I actually came here because I have a patient. I would like to refer her to you. It's, uh, It's a special case and she whips out this large folder from her briefcase. Here. She was adopted from a local orphanage at six years old, so um, she's probably in her 30s now. She started displaying some odd symptoms. She's consulted various doctors and it's, it's not going away. Her foster parents are actually friends with my husband, so they asked me for help. I feel like you're a little bit more suitable than me on this one. And he's like, okay, well, what's her condition? They stop walking and she looks at him and says, Have you ever heard the saying, I see dead people? Okay, so she's having visual hallucinations. If it were that simple, you think I would be here. She's a very logical one, okay? Very smart. And her story, her delusions, they make sense. There's no holes in her story. There's no holes for you to poke at to show her why it doesn't work. So the two, they walk to Dr. Zan's car, which you can tell he's doing really well, by the impeccably decorated office to his tailored suits and now his Range Rover. He gets in to start his car, and Professor Fang gets in the passenger seat, and you see him get a little nervous. He says, actually, there's a restaurant around the corner. Do you want to grab a bite with me? They go, and they walk together, and I'm like, does he have a crush on Professor (laughs) Fang? That was the vibe I was getting. So we see Dr. Zan listening to an audio recording of his new patient patient in his office. Let's call her Anna. And uh, she's got this very, I don't know why I was expecting a creepy little six-year-old girl's voice to be like, I see dead people. My dad beat my mom, and now I'm here, and she's dead, and he's always holding on to her. I was expecting that, but she's like a 30-year-old woman. What's my next step?
1: Mix well, sugar, that, and then a drizzle of the butter. Okay. Decorate the cake.
0: A drizzle of this.
1: Yeah. And then you want to mix well. That's the topping, so it yeah. needs to be what creamy.
0: Okay. <laughs> was it a drizzle? That was not that a drizzle. That was not a drizzle. <laughs> it was supposed to be a drizzle. Wow. <laughs> so she's going on to say, my father beat my mom a lot. He was always drunk. My mom would hide me in the closet to get away from him. And I'm not sure how I can talk about this. And it's about to get juicy. But then, Mr. Zan is, Dr. Zan, shall I say, is interrupted by his secretary, bringing him a coffee and a big boom. And he looks up and he says, are they still renovating up there? When are they gonna be done? The secretary's like, oh, sorry, I'll, I'll give them a call tomorrow. Um, here's your coffee and you have one more patient today. What? One more, I thought, I thought there were only four scheduled. No, Anna, um, she was referred by Professor Fang. She said that you knew about it. She was coming today.
1: Oh, the oh. new patient.
0: Anna, oh, um, yes, I remember. Send her in. So the secretary leaves to go get Anna and she leaves the door open so Mr. Dr. Zan can hear her. And she's like, Miss Ren, Dr. Zan can see you now if you'll follow me. No response. The secretary looks inside like, hello, can you help me? And she's smiling, like, what the fuck is going on? And Dr. Zan is like, what do you you mean? Bring her in. She's like, I don't know. She's shrugging her shoulders. And he's looking at her like, what the fuck? Just get her in here. So curious, he stands up, walks to the waiting room, which is this beautiful circular foyer with this big wooden staircase. And one part of this circular foyer has this, I mean, think about it. It's one of those circular foyers with the, with the black and white tiles. You know what I'm talking about? It's so artsy. And one section has this massive six-foot-tall grandfather clock tick, tick tick. What a hypnotist type clock to have, right? And Miss Wren, she's got her back to Dr. Zan, and she's staring at it. And she says, listen to the clock. Something is wrong with it. Um, yeah, I-, I can have someone fix it tomorrow. Uh, and I feel just come in. No, I know what it is. It's slow. I can fix it. She opens it up. And fixes it, one by one. Adjust it, like, by a minute. And I mean, is she bullshitting? Because she didn't have her phone out, so how did she know the clock was frickin' a minute or two late? That is creepy, is that not? Is this her way of being like, Biss, you had me waiting out here because your clock is broken. Get your shit together, Dr. Zane. I don't know, but it's creepy. She turns around, and she's beautiful, by the way. I mean, of course she is. The girl who sees dead people is drop-dead gorgeous. Of course, of course. She says, my name is Anna. Nice to meet you. And she walks into the office, sits down, takes out one of those fancy metal cases for cigarettes and is about to light one up. Oh, sorry, Anna, no smoking allowed. And boom, another construction noise. It just seems like a lot is happening right now, like it's just too much. If this was my first therapy session, I would be stressing out, because he seems distracted. I know my life isn't that entertaining, but still, can you get a little bit more involved, doctor? So Dr. Zan excuses himself, probably to go yell at the upstairs tenants, and Anna just sits there and waits. So Dr. Zan instead rushes into the secretary's office. Hey, nobody's been leasing that space in years. If they really want to renovate it, they can tell them to do it later. So call the landlord, not during my business hours. Okay, Dr. Zan, got it. I just want to say, everyone is always like, how did you guys make it eight and a half years? Are you not sick of each other yet? Yes, we are. But how do you keep it hot and steamy in the bedroom? Are you not bored of each other yet? And I have a secret. It's not riveting. It's not like this super scandalous secret, but it's just so simple. Keep trying new things, okay? Keep discovering new things. Not only keep discovering new things about your partner and their bodies and their pleasure points, but more importantly, your own. Because I feel like when you know how you feel, you can communicate that better to your partner. And my favorite way of exploring these days has been with the Tiani duo from Lilo. We have pretty much tried everything from Lilo and we have them on rotation because honestly, they're so versatile. They're so fun. They're really unique and they have this amazing experience. So the Tiani Duo is a vibrating couple's massager. It's got two powerful motors that are specifically designed for couples who want to deepen their physical attraction to each other, their physical connection. The motors work in tandem to provide this dual sensation inside and out, and it comes with this sense motion remote which allows for a truly immersive pleasure. It's soft, it's flexible, it bends to suit all body types and shapes comfortably, and it helps you achieve the legendary synchronized harmonious orgasm. Okay, now I'm not saying that in this moment you will hear the Noise, but you just might because it's that good. A synchronized orgasm is probably one of the ways that we fall in love with each other all over again. And I know it's dramatic, but really, if you've had one, you know the feeling. It's like this deep connection you feel even for the whole day afterwards. And if you haven't felt it, the Tiani Duo can help you. So make sure to check out the Tiani Duo and all of Lilo's amazing products. You'll thank me. Your partner will thank me. Your other partner will thank me. I'm just kidding. Make sure to check that out, linked in the description, and thank. Thank you, Lilo, for sponsoring today's BAM. So he proceeds to call a former classmate of his that was one of the various doctors that Anna was seeing about her condition. So this is all while Anna is in his office. Mm -hmm. And he says, hi, Nadia. This is Dr. Zan. I was just calling you about a former patient of yours, Anna Wren. Oh. Oh. My God. I know Professor Fang probably set you up for this, but I would just silence and suddenly listen there's something really off about that woman what so when i was i was trying to have a heart-to-heart conversation and i just felt like she was closed off and she wasn't telling me something i closed my notebook and i said listen let's just talk okay whatever is on your mind let's talk about it she looked me dead in the eye and she said nadia Isn't it exhausting every single day to sit there and pretend to care about your patients? But at the end of the day, you only ever see them as patients. And I I told her, Anna, there must be some sort of misunderstanding. And Anna told me, no, you misunderstood me. I'm not sick. And at that moment, Anna's eyes got wide. And she looks under the glass table. And she's trying to not noticeably be panicked, but she's panicking and Nadia follows her eyes and there's nothing there. And after a while, Anna breathes in and she jumps a little and she collects herself and says, the thing about abandoned children is that they will give anything to meet their birth parents. They will do anything to find them. And once they find them, they will never let go. And she looked down under the table and looked straight at Nadia's stomach and back down under the table. What? Nadia is on the phone explaining this to Dr Zan, and she says, But here's the thing. Before I had children, I was pregnant before, and I had an abortion. It was pretty late on, and I felt really weird about it, but. It seemed like she knew. It seemed like she was taunting me. That my child was there. How did she know? Dr. Zan not being a superstitious one is like, maybe she took a guess, maybe you were touching your stomach, I don't know, making it obvious, she probably picks up some clues, she's smart, we know that. No, that's not it. Listen, I advise you to give up, she's trouble. No doctor has been able to help her, she's delusional. Dr. Zan hangs up and he's thinking to himself, well, that's why I was better in class than Nadia, she kinda sucked.
1: I think you overwhipped it. Oh
0: <laughs>
1: it's okay. You can apply it.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. So oh, yeah. we just apply it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there
1: we go. All
0: right. So, anyways, Dr. Zan walks back into his office, and uh, Anna is no longer where she was. She's a creepy one, this one. I don't like her vibe. She's giving me definitely icy ghost type of type of energy now will I say that this is super paranormal you'll just have to wait and see anyways he looks over and she's there in the corner by herself with her hand outstretched in front of her and imagine you're standing up and you're petting the top of a five-year-old's head you're gonna be petting down and like imagine you're petting the head so Dr. Zan notices she's doing this and it's freaking creepy he clears his throat throat) Anna if you'll just have a seat on this uh, chair right here and she looks startled And the first words out of her mouth are, I'm not sick. Oh, but you are quite sensitive though, aren't you? You would be sensitive too if you could see what I see. And he walks over, pours her a drink, and he observes Anna through the mirror. And she's looking to a corner of the room, rocking back and forth, ever so slightly on her chair. Well, Anna, would you like to tell me about yourself? Hold on, let me just get a good little dollop in here, you know? okay beautiful so he's like well anna would you like to tell me about yourself even if i did you wouldn't believe me so why waste my time just because i took your consultation doesn't mean i have to believe you anna that has nothing to do with it i just want to see what's going on so he grabs his little notebook and his audio recorder and he sits down across from her you want to talk about the ghost because i don't really believe in ghosts but you can tell me about it if you want So you'll think I'm crazy, just like everyone else then. And this guy is sitting there like, actually, no, I'm not like the other therapist. I'm actually a lot more expensive and you bought my time. So why not? Why not get your money's worth? Why not try to convince me whatever it is you're trying to do? Sometimes a brilliant lie is better than the truth. Listen, this is not a way that I would like to start a therapy session, but what do I know about therapy? I'm just saying, as a patient, I'm like, this is horrendous. Anna asks him if he's ever heard the sound of marbles on the ceiling when he's trying to sleep. And we get a little flashback to Anna on this dark, desolate bed. And she can't fall asleep because she keeps hearing this click. And roll, as if someone is dropping a marble and rolling it across the floor, from the top floor. And she's a little bit creeped out, but more so annoyed. And she sits up on the edge of her bed, trying to get clear-minded. Maybe she can decide what to do about it. And out from under the bed, rolls a blue marble. Oh, no. Have you ever had that happen to you, doctor? No, but clearly that could be a lot of different explanations in something like this. It could have been the pipes making that noise and you, coincidentally, had a marble roll out from under your bed. Did you know a lot of houses are not completely level in this area? And that's completely up to code. Well, I get up to put the marble on my desk. And what do you know? Out comes yet another blue marble and at this point, I was a little freaked out. I mean, there is no good logical explanation for this. I did try my best to remain calm. Maybe there's something under the bed. Maybe a stack of marbles. Perhaps you're right, the floor is uneven. So I grabbed my phone. I turned on the flashlight. I got onto the floor to look under. There was nothing. I thought it to be very, very strange. Okay, now we're gonna go in. With the biscoff crumbles. Oh yeah, this is the best part.
1: Is this supposed to look like this?
0: Um, it's supposed to look a little worse, but I'm actually really talented. I see. You know those Netflix baking shows?
1: Yeah, no wonder it's like different from what I've seen.
0: Yeah, like better though.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Precisely. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Okay, there we go. Beauty in its ultimate form. Beauty in its truest form. Hmm. Now we just cut into it. Wow. Beautiful. It's so simple. So easy to make. Nowhere near authentic. Wow. It's soaked in milk and evaporated milk, condensed milk. Is it good? Let me give you a piece. It looks ugly, right? No,
1: it looks cute.
0: But it is. Perfection. Oh, I need to give you a middle piece. I mean it's okay. No. Mm. Oh, oh my god. god It's so moist
1: That's so good
0: mm. Why is it so good? Oh
1: my god
0: The moistness of the cake
1: Holy. Is
0: unparalleled Oh wow. my god
1: That's insane honey This is the best creation you've ever made
0: Oh my god it's so good <laughs>
1: It's so good Oh my god
0: It's so good I'm eating it off of a knife Mmm. Wow. Oh my god. I need to go give my mom a bite. Yeah. I'm i gonna,
1: gonna
0: love back. Like oh my god. My mother, a woman who has never had Tres Leches cake, said it was the best Tres Leches cake she's ever had in her life, so...
1: That says a lot.
0: <laughs> I think that means a lot. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Anna sits there and she says, I thought that to be very, very strange. Frustrated, I grabbed the marble and I slid it back under the bed. And BOOP! A hand appeared and grabbed the marble, but the hand was attached to a body. I just saw the top portion of her face. Her eyes were wrinkly, skin was sagging. I knew immediately who it was. It was Grandma Lou, the downstairs neighbor. It looked as if she had cut a small hole in the floor underneath my bed. What for? I don't know. But I was going to find out. I ran downstairs to Grandma Lou's apartment. I started knocking on the door. Her daughter opened up and I was angry. I rushed myself into the living room. And I was shocked to see. Her entire family, dressed in black, silently crying. One of them looked up and said, Sorry, Miss Anna, I hope we aren't bothering you. It's just that Grandma Lou is gone. She passed away this morning. So now we have Dr. Zan scribbling in his notes. Anna looks over and says, You think that I'm lying? You think that I saw something and I put together this story in my head. A made-up story to go with what I saw. Is that what you're writing down in your little notebook? Well, you aren't the first doctor to think that. I guess I just have a question. How do you know it wasn't a dream? Or a coincidence? How are you so certain you saw Grandma Lou's ghost? It's not important what I saw, but why I keep seeing them. So there's more. Tell me, what was the most recent time you saw a ghost? And we get another flashback. It was my birthday. I was out at night drinking late with friends and I I got onto a bus all by my lonesome. I took the very last row because I was wearing kind of a short dress and I didn't want people to hassle me. Stop after stop, one by one, people got off and the stop before mine, the bus was parked and the lights started flickering. It was eerie. It was just me and the male bus driver. So I got up from the very back seat, I walked to the front of the bus to see if the driver needed help, and he turned around, sweating, looking nervous. But not about the lights, it was weird. He kept saying, I'll fix it, I'll fix it, please just sit down, please don't get off the bus, I'll fix it. I demanded he let me out, because I felt like I was in danger. I had to insist multiple times, let me out, let me out, let me out, until he finally did. And as I'm walking away from the bus towards my house, I keep looking back to see if he's following me, because like I said, he was incredibly creepy. And in that state of destruction, I bump into a little girl, using sidewalk chalk to scribble on the ground. And I said, oh my god, little girl, are you okay? And she looks up at me, tears in her eyes, but she doesn't say anything. I felt like my eyes were drawn to hers for some reason. I couldn't look away. And in that moment, the bus pulled up and hit the little girl. He smashed into her. He ran her over. Only, she wasn't there anymore. She was gone. It was just me and the bus. The bus driver asked me if I wanted to get back on the bus now that he had fixed it. And I insisted that I would walk. And as he starts slowly driving off, that's when I see inside the bus is the little girl. So I start following the bus. And Dr. Zan interrupts this story. What was the license plate on the number of this bus? What? What does that matter? It was 8561. And he scribbles it down. Well, I chase after the bus. And, um... I pass by this university, and there I look up, and I see posters. The girl had been murdered. That little girl that I saw on that bus, that little girl that I ran into, she had already been murdered. Dr. Zan gets up, pours another glass of water, and Anna gets up from her seat too, and he asks her to continue. So Anna, are you implying that the bus driver was a murderer? I am. In fact, it made the news. It's a solved case. He killed her. She grabs the newspaper out of her purse and hands it to him. And the doctor tells her, but this proves nothing. This proves nothing that you were there. And more importantly, this story works with or without ghosts. And you came here because you want to stop seeing ghosts. Like I said, doctor, it's not about what I saw. It's about why I saw it. Okay, fine. Then get to the root of it. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about your foster parents, everything. You obviously resent your foster parents for constantly bringing you to psychiatrists and so you come in here and you antagonize me. And let me tell you something, Anna. You cannot use being an orphan as an excuse for everything. Anna walks over to another couch and she sits down and she crosses her legs and she starts her story. Okay, you wanna know? Well, when I was four, my biological parents took me to an amusement park. There were clowns, rides, and we had an amazing time. And then my parents slipped a little note in my pocket and they told me they were too scared to go on the Ferris wheel. But they would be right here waiting for me when I got down. So I got on the Ferris wheel completely alone. And by the time I got out, well you guessed it, I was alone. They had left me, they abandoned me, and I was taken to an orphanage. I remember the red flowers on the ground at the orphanage, the cotton fibers on the trees. Oh, and that letter? That letter was the suicide note. Well, what did the note say? My biological parents, they were in debt to a lot of loan sharks. They were overwhelmed. They took their own lives, but they let me live because they loved me. Okay, so I have it in my notes. You said that you were born in the South and you grew up in South China but now you're saying you were abandoned somewhere in northern china so are you implying that your biological parents abandoned you on the other side of the country huh i mean i guess to make you confused is that what you're describing but then dr zan is thinking to himself and he circles the word red cotton flowers because these only grow in the South, it doesn't grow in the North. So he finds that he had caught her in a lie, finally. So Dr. Zan briefly goes to the bathroom to confirm this. He calls his friend Mo, and he leaves the water on so that Anna can't eavesdrop. And near the end of the call, he notices that the water is pooling onto the ground. The sink had been clogged. And it's just very eerie. He seems like he doesn't want to get his suit wet while he jumps on over to close the water. And he breathes heavily as he looks into the mirror because The guy is stressed, okay? It's really stressful being a psychiatrist. And he gets back to see Anna snooping through his notes. He says, can I help you? Or should we get back to the topic? I think we can investigate this further. Have you heard of hypnotherapy? Don't be nervous, Anna. It's easy. Just focus on your breathing. Sit down. Relax your body and focus on my watch. And he whips out his gold pocket watch on a chain. And he starts swinging it back and forth. And I will count to three. In one, two, and before he says three, he drops his watch. Honestly, a noob mistake, party foul. Anna smirks, she bends over, picks it up, and says, so am I supposed to be hypnotized now? And she looks up, and Dr. is making eye contact. Three, and out goes Anna. She's hypnotized. What? Now, I'm sure, scientifically speaking, your brain does not do this. But Anna is now transported back to her birth home. And it's not a beautiful place. I mean, the grass is long, it's unkept, it's dead. Everything around her looks dead and abandoned. There's no color in the sky. Everything is cold. She looks down at her finger and there's a little bleed. What? But Dr. Zan is fine. She's laying on his office couch describing everything to him. She can still hear his voice. That's good. And he says, now there should be a door. Go through that door and you'll see all the answers you're looking for. Anna's scared, but she clenches her fuss and goes through the first wooden door. And in the middle of the abandoned area, just floating there, the door is there, essentially. And she walks through it. We can't see what she sees, but as of now, she tries to explain it. Oh my God, there's water, there's a lot of water. And she's, she shoots up into a sitting position, tears in her eyes. So she's in the office, like just erect now. She's in a hypnotic state, she's in hypnosis. And she starts crying out, I'm sorry, but there's nothing I can do to help you now. You're already dead. I'm so sorry, it wasn't me and she's about to have a full-on freakout, and Dr. Zan tells her, go back to the door and walk out if it's too much. Do you see the door next to you? She says, door 502? 502? It doesn't matter the door number. If you can't handle it, just walk back through the door. I I can't. It's locked. That's okay. Don't panic. There's a key in your pocket. Use it to open the door and get out. And she starts hyperventilating. She's breathing fast and he says, okay, okay, on my count of three, you're coming out in one, two, three. And he snaps and she falls back onto the couch. And her eyes blink open, her eyes are big. And she says, I see a lake, a big lake with a bridge over it. And she goes back out. And Dr. Zan starts scribbling a lake with a bridge over it. And when he looks up, He's on a wooden bridge, looking into a big lake. He's confused, like what, what is happening? And Anna walks up to him and pushes him into the lake. He starts drowning, sinking deeper and deeper into the lake until the lake spits him back out and he lands on his office chair and he's coughing. He feels like he just drowned. He starts loosening up his tie, he's profusely sweating and Anna is sitting there calmly, sleeping on the job, huh? some professional you are. What the hell did you just do? Nothing, I didn't do anything. Dr. Zan checks his tape. Nothing was recorded. You erased my audio. And in that tense moment, his phone rings. It's Mo, his friend from social services. He runs out to take the call and his secretary hands him a piece of paper. She looks really worried and stressed. We don't really know what's going on, but we do know that Dr. Zan is big mad. Whatever it is, he's pissed off. He runs back into the office where Anna is, slams the door shut and said, I remember you said you saw cotton red silk flowers the day you were abandoned. Now I wonder how you could have seen that. Because from what I know, the only trees that look like that during that season is the red silk cotton tree. But our Northern cities don't have that. So how could you have seen that? Anna, I can tell you with all certainty that you were abandoned by them. They did not take their own lives. She says, what? That's not true. My biological parents did not abandon me. They, they took their own lives and they left me alive because they cared about me. And he grabs the piece of paper, slides it over the desk to her. What's more, Anna, is that they aren't even your biological parents. They were your first adoptive parents. You don't remember, because you were two years old, but Anna, you don't have a birth certificate. You don't even have a name. You were an orphan in the truest form. You don't know your biological parents. You were abandoned by your first adoptive parents, who were not dead, by the way. They had a son after abandoning you. They wanted their own birth children, and they got it. So they left you on that Ferris wheel. And Anna starts crying and she's like, no, no, they, they would never do that. They would never do that. Look here, look. And Anna looks at the documents and she gets a flashback. She sees everything he's saying is true. Anna is in another hypnotized state and Dr. Zan is proud of what he's done. He says, now that you know the truth and all the answers are within you, I want you to wake up in one, two, three. She wakes up and she realizes the red flowers are from when her biological parents abandoned her in the south. She was then adopted and abandoned by her new adoptive parents in the north, but they were expecting a child. And they only wanted to adopt because they thought they couldn't conceive their own.
1: So she was abandoned twice?
0: Yes. She protected herself into believing she was only abandoned once. The two situations they overlapped and all these ghosts that you see or you claim to see, well, they're just all versions of you and your past that you refuse to believe are yours. Your adoptive parents, they gave you a marble as a gift before abandoning you. The girl that was separated from her parents while on that bus, that was you. So I need you to stop lying now, Anna. I know there are things you are hiding from me, like your fiancé. You haven't brought him up once. You took off your ring, but during the last 90 minutes, you have instinctively touched that finger about 10 times. You can take the ring off all you want, but your body still remembers the absence. So what is it about your fiance that doesn't fit into the story? Why don't you want to bring him up? And Anna's pissed off at this point, and she's getting up, grabbing her purse, getting ready to storm out of there, but then, boom, the lights turn off. She's in pitch darkness. Dr. Sand says, don't worry. Don't panic. Old houses are like that. The power shuts off every now and then. Do you want to smoke a cigarette with me? And the lights turn on and he says, you know what? It's been a long day. We've already run past our session, so let's end it here. That's it? Yeah, that's it. So Anna reluctantly walks out. And she seems creeped out. She walks out to see the beautiful circular foyer has transformed into what it was before. The walls are painted a deep, rich green. The staircase railing is much older. There's kids playing around, screaming, running up and down the stairs. Nana's confused. She just walked out of the psychiatrist's office. Why are there kids running around? Why does it not look like the same staircase? One of the kids grabs her arm, starts forcing her to run up the stairs with her. And when she gets upstairs, she sees herself younger version of herself. Hanging out with the kids at the orphanage that she was in prior to being adopted. She seemed to have a close relationship with the director. That's where Anna bumps into a guy named David. David is a volunteer who brings supplies and other items to the orphanage. He was also a former resident and he was never formally adopted. So now he comes back to give back and the two of them they start dating and it's it's honestly super cute. Anna finally feels happy. He even tells her one day, I know you were sad that there's no record of your birthday, Anna. But I was thinking, maybe I could share mine. From now on, our birthday is March 3rd. And they promise each other to never abandon one another and be each other's family forever. Start a family of their own. But then Anna wakes up in a coffin next to her beloved David. And he says, but you knew that could never be true. So yeah, Anna is being hypnotized. She never walked out of that office. In fact, she's still in that office couch. She is either hypnotized multiple times or has just stayed hypnotized the whole time. I mean, that's what it seems like. Everything was in her head. All of the suspicious things that the doctor was apparently doing. Like, everything was in her head. So she wakes up in the coffin next to David and he keeps asking her, why did you kill me? Why did you kill me? And she's trying to explain, I didn't, I would never kill you. I didn't kill you. And the coffin opens up And around, surrounding the coffin are people wearing black, just start crowding over. One of the people in the crowd grab Anna out. And she says, I didn't kill you, please, David, you have to believe me, I didn't kill you. And that person grabs her by the mouth, covers her and drags her out. She's taken away before she can tell anyone who killed David. Dr. Zan is getting frustrated. Who did it then, Anna? Who, who killed your fiancé? Tell me, Anna. Can you hear my voice? Anna's not responding. So Dr. Zan counts to one, two, three, and snaps. She comes out of it and she rushes to the bathroom and she's very emotional now. Meanwhile, Dr. Zan starts pouring them glasses of water. She sits down, takes a sip and said, it was an accident. Were you in the car? No, it was eight years ago. You keep saying you see ghosts. So I have a question, Anna. Have you ever seen your fiancé? No. If a person lies, it's either because they want to or they have to. Maybe you have to believe it's true. Maybe you have to believe you can see ghosts and you make up these stories in your head because you have to believe that you can see your fiancé again. You need to see him again. And because he's dead, the only way that you can do that is if you see ghosts. And Anna starts crying and sobbing. And they start playing that heartwarming realization music. And she turns around and she's sobbing. Her shoulders are shaking. And she whips back around, eyes red, and said, You almost had me there, doctor. But if that's true, why do you have two people following you around the room since I stepped foot in this door? And he looks at her with disgust. I don't know why I'm wasting my time with you. This session is over, get out. There's no one else in the room but us. You know that. The woman, she has long hair and an almond-shaped face and her eyes are haunted, penetrating. But the man, he's got short hair, narrow eyes, the quiet type. They say her birthday is December 28th. I said get out. Besides, anyone can Google my birthday. You see two people? Huh? Yeah? Where? Like I said, it's not why I see them, it's what do they want from me. And Anna grabs the cup of water on his desk as he's frantically packing up his briefcase and she tips it over and Dr. Zan steps back in a panic. They said you're scared of water. And he's disgusted, he's trying to get out. And Anna says, stop. You said you want to investigate, so investigate. I can give you the proof right now. The two people following you They look like they just climbed out of water. You can choose to believe me or not, but they've been standing there this entire time, right over there. Do you believe me, Captain? Captain? What? What did you just call me? How do you know my nickname? And Dr. Zan gets a brief flashback to a woman calling him Captain in bed, not in a creepy way, not in, like, that sexual way, but in the way of, like, it's morning time, morning breath. They just spent a nice night together, and she's like, what's for breakfast, Captain? Cabin, you know what I mean? <laughs> Captain Crunch. Anyways, so he hears a buzzing in his ear, and he starts to lose it, and Anna keeps going. The man over there wants me to tell you that it doesn't matter how many times you say sorry. What's done is done. There's no going back anymore. The doctor's trying to leave and he's he's kind of stumbling all over the place. But Anna slams him down on the chair and suddenly the lights turn off. Water starts dripping from the ceiling. Obviously, this is in the doctor's head. Then the flashback to bar 502. It's a bar called 502. Dr. Zan is with who we can presume to be his wife and a friend of theirs. After a night of drinking, Dr. Zan gets behind the wheel. Starts driving. His wife in the front, his male friend passed out in the back and his wife is freaking out because he seems drunk and he's not taking it seriously. He keeps telling her, I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's going to be okay. And in order to avoid a roadblock, he swerves really hard to the right, causing the car to drive off a bridge and into the river. The car starts flooding with water and Dr. Zan tries to get his wife out of her seat, but the seatbelt is jammed. Then we hear Anna's voice. You said people lie because they want to, or because they have to. And the doctor looks at her and says, I lie because I killed the woman I love and my best friend. Well, the man says he's forgiven you long ago. And the woman says her love for you will never change. And Dr. Zan is emotional. She says, do you believe me now? Do you believe I can see her? Yes. Can you tell her that I love her and I will always love her? She hears you, but suddenly the romantic music cuts off and Anna looks focused again, very creepy, and she says, when you wake up, you will remember everything and accept it, come to terms with it, and she walks closer to him. With each step, the click of her heels, she whispers, one, two, three, and snaps in his face, and just like that, Dr. Zan wakes up and collapses onto the ground. (laughs) Listen, listen, it gets wild, okay? This is where it gets wild. So the secretary rushes in and thinks Dr. Anna, and says the rest are waiting upstairs for her. So you're like, who the fuck is they? You go upstairs. Professor Fang and a bunch of other doctors are watching in real time on a projector everything that took place in the office below. What? The vacant unit upstairs, everyone was up there.
1: That's the noise they were making? It's the
0: noise, and everyone is thanking her. Thank you, Dr. Gu, thank you. This must have been very difficult for you. Thank you, Dr. Anna. And... These two older parents, they stand up and we can presume that these are Dr. Zan's parents. And they said, how How did you fix him? Professor Feng states, PTSD is already very difficult to treat. Extreme measures had to be used for extreme situations. Dr. Zan was starting to hurt himself. He was engaging in self-harm. His family said most of the time it was hard to even know if he was awake or just sleepwalking. He was a shell of a person. So. His parents came to me, begging me for help. And I had a new method that I had been wanting to test out, but it was gonna be controversial. I didn't know that I was gonna have it tested on Dr. Zan, but I knew when I went to visit him at the seminar, he couldn't even drive his car to the restaurant. He wanted to walk. He was scared of driving. The PTSD was still there. So I called in Dr. Gu. Her first question to me was, why is it me? I don't understand. I mean, I would love to, but you chose me specifically? I told her because Dr. Zan's condition is caused by long-term suppression. He needs psychotherapy, but being a skilled psychiatrist himself, normal treatment will do him no good because he knows the procedures all too well. It must be somebody that he perceives to be harmless, a patient, a stranger. an Anna but professor, we know each other. We took waking hypnosis class together. You were our professor. You know that we know each other. What? Yeah. So, Dr. Zan is probably the best in the field of normal hypnosis. But you, Anna, you're my best student in waking hypnosis. You can induce a patient without their knowledge. Besides, deep down, he longs to be forgiven, and you are just the key. We know that all of our defenses are the strongest when we're awake, and the weakest not when we're asleep, but when we're half asleep or half awake. So we will pick the hour when he believes himself to be strong. We will set back the clock. His secretary will, of course, help us. But in reality, he will be exhausted by the start of your session. The coffee will have no caffeine in it. In fact, it will have some melatonin. His secretary will deliver it. It'll be a very, very light sedative almost. When you walk in, you will start the hypnosis without ever letting him see your face. Tell him to listen to the clock. We see back to when she fixed the clock, and Anna whispered ever so slowly, I can fix it, it's a little slow. One, two, three.
1: She was saying that? Yes.
0: Ah! And she turned around and said, Hi, I'm Anna, nice to meet you for the first time. Besides, Dan himself cannot be upset, Because even during his seminar, he proudly stated, the most important part of hypnotherapy is to let the patient forget that you are the doctor. Which is why during sessions, when he tries to hypnotize you, it'll be hard. He's good at what he does, Anna. Most likely, you will fall under a trance, but you need something to keep you awake. A toothpick, maybe? So when he counts to three, on the count of three, what do you do? Keep it in your hand and prick your finger with it. When you're hypnotized, You will notice that there is blood in your finger, and you will remember what you are here for. So
1: she was hypnotized? She was. Oh my god.
0: And she kept the same story because she remembered what she was here for. You know the real purpose, you know what's going on. It's like lucid dreaming. That will be the hardest part. Xan is ruthless in his practice. There are times where he has hypnotized patients five times in one session. So you need to be prepared. If he tries to make you reveal anything about your real identity, you need an exit protocol. So for months, Dr. Gu, Anna, was hypnotized by Professor Fang. And anytime Dr. Fang asked her about herself, Dr. Fang would suggest that someone had grabbed her, covered her mouth, and taken her into a dark hallway. Dr. Anna would be screaming, let me go, let me go, in her hypnosis. And she'd whip around, and it was Professor Fang. Remember why you are here, Anna think hard. What is your purpose in all of this before you say anything? Remember what your purpose is Wow So remember when she got out of her fiance's coffin Uh Professor feng dragged her away because she was about to reveal things about her own life And maybe that would have revealed that she's not Anna or whatever. Yeah, so thankfully, we will have Amy, his secretary, helping us making sure your identity stays hidden and everybody is on the same page. We will even come up with this fake scenario that you're being hypnotized because you see dead people. He's going to catch you in a lie. It'll go as planned. And as everything is coming down to a close, they see on the projector, Dr. Zan wakes up. And everyone in the room rushes out, down to see him. His parents, his peers, his secretary, the other psychiatrist that was on the phone shit talking Anna. She's there.
1: Oh, my god! Yeah.
0: So Professor Fang leaves as well. And now it's just Anna in the office watching. Listen, I don't know what's going on with her, but she looks really sinister. Like, she's hiding something. I don't like it. And she's back in thought. And she reaches up to the screen and almost pets his hair
1: uh-huh.
0: through the screen. And we get one last flashback at the bar. Anna was the date for the best friend. It wasn't three people, it was a double date. Anna was there. Professor Feng comes back in and snaps Anna back to reality. And I know it's been hard for you. And he's forgiven himself and he's moving on. But are you though? And we get the flashback. Dr. Gu is leaving early. Anna's leaving early. She's scolding everyone. Don't drink too much. I'm sorry. I have an exam, but please, guys, be safe, okay? You promise you're going to be safe? And her fiancé was Dr. Zan's best friend. Oh. The one that was killed in the accident. Oh, And that's my why gosh. Professor Fang was worried she would reveal her real identity while under hypnosis. Remember, he kept asking, uh-huh. who killed your fiancé? And she said, I didn't kill you. I didn't kill you.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And at the end, the two of them, Anna and Dr. Zan, meet out on the balcony of his office. And he walks up to Anna and says, you did everything you could that night. I didn't. And I know that. So it's not that I couldn't be cured, it's that I didn't want to feel cured. Because I don't don't believe I deserve to feel forgiveness. Nobody could forgive me for something like this. And Anna looks at him and says, you're right. No one can forgive you except yourself. And she gives him a weak smile and they stand on the balcony looking out, both crying.
1: Wait, this was after the session, right?
0: Yeah. And they're both in realization. So Dr. Xan knows it was her that hypnotized her, him. And that she has essentially forgiven him. So there was even a flashback where, on the funeral to um, to Anna's ex-fiance or to Anna's fiance's funeral, Mm -hmm. it was raining, and um, Doctor Zan ran out in the rain in his black suit, and he got in front of Anna and he kneeled down on the ground, begging for forgiveness. And she walked away.
1: She didn't forgive him. So do you think this is a way of, for her to forgive him? To help him. To help him. Yeah, to forgive get over him?
0: it. To forgive him. So it's like both ways. For him to forgive himself and for her to forgive him too.
1: Wow.
0: And this is what happens when two hypnotists hypnotize each other. It's hypnotized inception. And you know what this really makes me feel the one moral of the story is? And you're thinking, wow, what's the moral of the story? Don't drink and drive, Stephanie? That too. You're thinking, what's the moral? I'm thinking two therapists should never date each other. That's it. That's what I got out of this. I'm like, you're a therapist. You're another therapist. Don't ever date. Don't even think about it. Don't even go on a coffee date. Some bad shit's going to go down. I mean, think about it. You're going to be analyzing that person nonstop. I don't even know with peace and love, how anybody dates a therapist. If I was dating a therapist, I can't even imagine dating a therapist. What do you mean? I can't imagine dating a therapist. Because imagine, everything you say, they're going to be like, Stephanie, you're projecting. I know you're angry, but let me just... Okay, so how do you feel again? You know, I think we should really take a look into that. What happened in your childhood that made you feel this type of way i'd be like bitch put the toilet seat down that's all i'm trying to say (sighs) they're like trauma of open water a bitch you're nasty that's all i'm trying to say you know and then they'd be diagnosing me it it's it's That was it for the BAM. (laughs) I don't know why I'm rambling about dating therapists. What are your thoughts on this one? This one was kind of wild. It's a Chinese movie. I highly recommend checking it out because the way that it was filmed, the merging of the scenes of the reality and hypnosis was some of the best cinematography that I've seen in a while in the sense that, would I say it's the best CGI? It was really good. Like, nothing about it made me feel like, oh my god, that feels weird. But it was so unique. Everything that was done. And now, even looking back, I almost want to re watch it to see all of the little clues. All of the clues of how she hypnotized him. You
1: know what's a good movie? What? Secret from J Chow but it's come on (laughs) come on yeah yeah that i think it makes a great bam
0: okay well i guess that's what's happening next week so i will see you guys next week with some secrets
1: bye